0: All right, be honest, all you people with COVID, you're all faking it. Everybody's got it all of a sudden. I, uh, something's going on here. Something's up. Everyone, and by the way, if you get sick, does it have to be a big deal anymore? Do we have to put out a tweet? Do we have to call? Does Eric Adams have to let Channel 11 know he's sick and quarantining? can he just be Ed Koch used to get a cold. Did not make a big deal out of it? Is that how it's going to be from now on? Anytime anybody's sick, the CEO of a company has to put out a major statement. Everyone's got to get worried. Everyone's got to get tested. Everyone's got to. No, just get over it. I did. I was a little sick over the weekend. I didn't make a big deal out of it. I just uh, stayed in bed. Well, actually, I did tweet about it. (laughs) I I, come to think of it. I tweeted like six times about it. But I was just going through my, my own personal tale of woe. It was just narrating my sick experience, sickness experience, I should say. Uh, I actually don't mind being sick. Uh, what did I have? Uh, some sort of stomach thing. I was uh, whatever. It was. It wasn't COVID. And um, I feel great right now. Uh, drank some extra liquids, a little bit of Jello, a little bit of ice cream, and uh, some vitamin C. And presto changeo, I'm back at work. Everything's fine. Uh, but I, I don't want to just, just uh, oh, gosh, wear a mask, quarantine, all that stuff. I think uh it was all a little bit overblown. It's still a little bit overblown. And Fauci basically admitted over the weekend, yeah, it was a little bit overblown. Some people are going to get sick. Others won't. Some people are going to get sick and die. I'm sorry, but it happens. Um I just uh, – it's interesting now that he wants to party, that he wants to have a good time. He's not ordering anybody to stay home anymore. Well, at this point, really, it's up to the individual to make that evaluation for his or her own uh, safe sense of wellness. However, concomitant with that – he used the word concomitant. Like It's kind of a fancy word for – uh at the same time, simultaneously uh, along with concomitant he's supposed to be a master communicator He's not. He always confuses the issue. He always leaves everybody uh, dizzy with scratching their head. I think I think finally uh, he's out of the picture when he and he basically we don't need him anymore. Yesterday they asked him, what is the level of concern you have? Well, it really at this juncture, I got to find it and play it for you. He he talks all about if you follow the CDC guidance and they're talking about the CDC for 20 minutes and nobody actually mentions what is the CDC guidance anymore. They don't – whatever guidance it is and they were talking about the CDC and that they have guidance – but what is that guidance? You're on your own. You can go to the CDC website and figure that out for yourself. Um, what else? Uh, I, look, I, I saw a doctor. I'm totally fine. Um, and I heard something interesting um, mm, that's going on in the medical community. It's totally um, trauma, not traumatizing, but it's annoying doctors and it's getting in the way of health care. This whole pronoun thing, you know, his, her, they, them, me, she, we, um, it's getting in the way of healthcare. So you have to fill that out on a form. You know, it used to be Mr. or Mrs., uh, sex, uh, that's about it. It's about 75 questions, uh, your orientation, this, that, and the other thing, what you were born as, sex-wise, what you identify as, sex-wise, what you are now, sex-wise, uh, they don't ask religion anymore. Now that used to be something they asked. Now well it's appropriate that they don't what, what does my religion have to do with the health? Well, actually it does have something to do with your health care, right? Some Some faith might a certain faith might be okay with this and not okay with that. It's something to keep in mind if you're a physician, potentially certain sensitivities, right about diet, who knows? I think that gives you more of a sense of the person, or at least it used to. Because America has become, what's the word, irreligious, more and more irreligious. We're less religious than ever before, more secular than ever before. But have you noticed, as we become more secular, and I don't like that, by the way, and actually, and I hope you've been on this journey with me, as the world gets more and more secular, and foolish i find myself drawn closer to god and you can get there through the bible and it's 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 very easy you know i was on the way to work today and uh i don't take the subway anymore thanks a lot de blasio thanks a lot adams you blew it <laughs> you really did you, you you convinced a bunch of people that the cops were the enemies and now look you're happy you're satisfied it's crazy down there underground. No, I'm not taking the subway. That used to be my thing. I'm a tough guy. I can handle anything. Well, you know what? Now I, I, I'm a tough guy, but I'm not a dumb guy. And I can afford a cab. I can afford the Uber, although I really hate Ubers. I like cabs. I don't like Ubers. No offense, Uber guys. But anyway, I'm in the cab. And, you know, I can look at my phone or I can look at the television that they play right in your face as i mean, okay i'm not gonna look at my phone i'm gonna just be mindful oh nope the tv comes on and it's sam champion you know the weather guy sam champion and nothing against sam champion he seems like a great guy and he knows his weather but i found myself listening to sam champion go through every you know What it's going to be like in the morning and the afternoon and then tomorrow and then some front out in Louisiana and what that's going to do and the speed and then what difference does it make? I can, I have no control. And quite frankly, it's not going to impact anything. I'm not going on vacation anytime soon. I'm just, it's, if I want to know what the weather situation is, I can find out very, very quickly, a lot more efficiently, oh, by the way, than listening to Sam Champion. No offense to Sam Champion, and a lot of people want to know all that stuff, and a lot of people are going on vacation, and they want to know what's going on in Louisiana and the front and all that stuff. So that's, you know, Sam has his place, and I – but at the same time, like, why am I not using this time more productively? Anyway, you know what I'm going to say. Maybe you don't, but it is a beautiful time to take out your phone – Because you can put anything you want on the phone. The phone is just a a medium, right? I listened to a beautiful podcast uh, by a guy named Charles Stanley. And uh, Charles Stanley, you've heard me talk about him, a minister in Atlanta, the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. What I'm saying is this. We spend our time on a lot of stupid stuff, me especially, watching the dumb shows, looking at the dumb apps, worrying about stuff. That's not going to be helped by worrying, anxious about office politics. Uh, oh, no, what's going to happen? Who's who's up? Who's down? How do I get ahead? Oh, how, me, 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 me. Well, how do I get away from all that stress? Oh, just watch something. I'll just watch Sam Champion. Nice guy. Again, I like Sam. Nothing against him, but... In those moments, if you can, if you think about it, why not get closer to the master of the universe, the one who created you, created me, created planet Pluto, created what's a faraway galaxy, X96 galaxy, all of that stuff. He cares about each and every one of us, and that's kind of an amazing thing. I can, I can get closer to him or I can watch Sam Champion. What do you think? Now, there's a time and a place for Sam Champion. Uh, but, you know, if it's not Sam Champion, then what is it? Is it uh, Debbie Freeze? <laughs> is, is it... Uh, uh, who's another one? Mike Woods? Oh, well, hey, I love my Mike Woods. Mike and I, Mike's a great guy. You ever see him on Channel 5? Him and Rosanna, they are awesome people. I got to catch up with him. I haven't talked to... Those guys. I talked to Rosanna last month, but um, anyway, no disrespect to anybody, but I hope that makes sense. And it was a wonderful experience, turning off Sam Champion and getting closer. Now, of course, yes, oh, boy, wow, why would I want to get closer because of all that stupid stuff I did? Oh, boy, he doesn't want anything to do with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to do my thing, and, uh, you know, I don't want to bother him because he knows what an imbecile I've been over the years. Well, uh, that just, if you're like me, that means you need him more than anything. All right? If you've made those mistakes, he knows it. He's already forgiven you. He already knows what you're going to do. He's there for each and every one of us, and I highly recommend it. All right, did you see the Trump rally over the weekend? Chances are you didn't because, well, uh, he's being shadow banned in big ways and small. Fortunately, Newsmax carried him live. And uh, let's see what he did. I watched the whole thing. It was fantastic. Cut two, please.
2: You could take the
0: five worst presidents in
2: American history and put them together and they would not have done the damage Joe Biden has done to our country in just 15 months. Russia's outrageous invasion of Ukraine would never have happened if I was in the White House and not even a chance. Under our administration, America was strong and America was respected because you had a president who always put
0: America first. All right. I love it. Don't you? That's great stuff. That is great stuff. And uh, it was a great rally. He obviously, look, he's got a great case. Uh, the the country is going down the tubes, and he's the one who can fix it. Everything he said that would happen has happened bad. Uh, how can they take it from him? Why would they try to take it from him? I mean, other Republicans, they're going to have to get out of the way. He's the man. Now it drives Democrats crazy. They're going to have to. They're going to vilify him worse than vilify him. They're going to try to say he is uh, everything they said the last time. What else can they say about him? Seriously, next thing they'll have to say he's an alien. He's from some other planet. I mean, they already said he's a Russian spy, and that didn't work. That wasn't true. They now they're trying to say he's a terrorist. He's an insurrectionist. That's not true. That's not going to stick. That doesn't work. January sixth doesn't work. We all saw it with our own eyes. The legal system is even finally waking up. Did you see that? uh, What happened? The guy was found not guilty. He was at the Capitol, didn't harm anybody, didn't break anything. And he said, well, the cops let me in. And guess what? We've seen video of the cops letting people in. The guy didn't think he was trespassing. Why would you think? Are you trespassing if a cop says, yeah, you can walk here right this way, sir? Well, that's not trespassing. Not guilty. Not guilty good for him. Uh, I think there's going to be more of that. There should be more of that. All right. So when I started out earlier about how uh, the country has become irreligious, but people, I do believe, have a longing for order. They have a longing for rules and custom. And the rules and customs of the church, of religion, of God, those are beautiful. And they're actually meant to Enhance your freedom, enhance your joy, make your life better. They are. We don't look at it that way normally. The world doesn't want us looking at it that way. Oh, gee, I don't want anything to do with that. I want to have a good time. That's all gonna that's gonna rain on my parade. It's not actually, but well the woke left, they need something to worship. They need something to uh, devote themselves to and and it's their own corrupt ideology this trans stuff is their latest endeavor first it was race now it's trans actually black lives matter was a lot about trans even before race if you look it up on their website anybody here of uh, Northwell medicine right Northwell that's like one of the major healthcare providers in the world it's not some fly by night clinic In Berkeley, California. This is real deal stuff. Well, they want all of their physicians to know it's Black Maternal Health Week. Black Maternal Health Week? Yes. Um, This is is a little ditty by Senator Kamala Harris. She came up with this. Black Maternal Health Week. And now uh, Joe Biden made it official. And uh, listen to this. Across the United States, in New York State, and within our own Northwell health system, we need to raise awareness and make strides in improving maternal outcomes with a priority on understanding and eliminating disparities in maternal outcome. Maternal outcome, okay? The Nation, headliner, The Nation. President Joseph Biden issued a proclamation signed April 13th, 2021, declaring April 11th through 17th, that's right now, as Black Maternal Health Week. In that proclamation, President Biden called upon all Americans, that's me, to raise awareness of the state of black maternal health in the United States by understanding the consequences of systemic discrimination, recognizing the scope of this problem and the need for urgent solutions, amplifying the voices and experiences of black women, families and communities and committing to building a world in which black women do not have to fear for their safety their well-being, their dignity, and their lives before, during, and after pregnancy. You see, you see, is it as obvious to you as it is to me? They're blaming on whatever problems they want to eradicate. They're blaming them on race, race, race. When you focus on that, you will miss the cause of the real problem. Black women are approximately three times more likely to die from birth complications compared to white women. White women even come off as the, somehow, as they're the perpetrators of this. They're the ones making this happen. Some hospital PR team wants to rearrange rearrange the world, correct all of the ills that plague us with a silly memo during a phony baloney week. We've got real problems. We could look for real solutions, or we could all go around trying to feel good about doing something and scaring others who might disagree with us. There's more in this. I'll be right back.
2: This is The Greg Kelly Show.
0: You know, that letter really is a doozy Again, it'd be one thing if it came uh, all right it would be one thing if it if it uh, was some silly clinic again in some nut job liberal neighborhood but um, this is Northwell anybody give me an idea how big is Northwell I mean it's it's tremendous it's one of the largest health care providers in all of America and they're peddling this nonsense. Now, you could say, well, wait a second, Greg. I mean, these are real numbers, right? These are real problems, right? You know, illness is a problem. Illness is a problem. Since when do you blame the race of the patient for the problem? Or the race of the person who is cured of the disease with that problem? They seem to be laying some serious guilt on white women here. Here's something, some paraphernalia they put out. If you're a black woman with an advanced degree, you're more likely to die from childbirth complications than a white girl who has not completed the eighth grade. Wow. Black woman versus a white girl. Uh, (laughs) I, uh, I'm uncomfortable with this, actually. I sense a, I sense a lack of respect. There's something demeaning about this dialogue. Do you, am I being overly sensitive? Now I'm I'm sensitive. Because they are missing the problem. They're missing the real problem. Let's see here. Black women are approximately three times more likely to die from childbirth complications compared to white women. And then they drop it there. You see, it must be discrimination. It must be racial discrimination. And remember, if they can't prove bias, they'll just blame it on implicit bias. I think they're about to get there. More from Northwell. There is also a growing body of evidence from disparities linked to structural racism. Oh, here we go. And implicit implicit racial bias that have been woven into the societal and healthcare system culture for decades. Given the complex mix of factors causing severe maternal morbidity, reducing its prevalence and closing the racial and ethnic disparities will require a multi-pronged and sustained effort. Okay, well, what is some nurse supposed to do about this at Northwell Hospital? Huh? Wait a second. Given the complex mix of factors causing severe maternal morbidity. What is maternal morbidity? Does that mean, forgive me, but does that mean fat women? No. Uh, It can't mean that. Can it? I don't know. I'll look it up in a second. But they have a solution to this. Oh, here we go. As a response, New York State has partnered with all birthing hospitals. What? Through the New York State Birth Equity Improvement Project. Now does that sound like out of George Orwell or what? The New York State Birth Equity Improvement Project to identify how individual and systemic racism both impact birth outcomes and take action to improve both the experience of care, prenatal outcomes. Ay, 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 again. The nice language is mixed with a very dark and spooky language. They're trying to trick us. I'll be right back.
3: Traffic jams, tailgating, pile ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.
2: You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show.
0: Hey, uh, time out from that silly letter. By the way, yes. Uh, you know, I think morbidity. I, I, I remember they talked about during COVID. Uh, comorbidities. Uh, I always think... Uh, of what i used to be technically on the chart morbidly obese uh, we're talking about fatality and uh, mortality but hey real quick dr oz was endorsed by president trump over the weekend uh, cut one donald trump endorsing uh Mehmet oz
2: by the way i endorsed another person today dr oz in pennsylvania dr oz great guy good man good man harvard educated tremendous tremendous career and they liked him for a long time that's like a poll you know when you're in television for 18 years that's like a poll that means people like you but he's a he's a great guy this is the year we're going to take back the house we're going to take back the senate and we're going to take back america and in 2024 most importantly we are going to take back our beautiful 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 white house (laughs)
0: beautiful 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 indeed Uh, I really like that he endorsed uh, Oz. Dr. Oz is kind of like what the founding fathers had in mind, and so is President Trump. And here's what I mean by that. They did not envision a permanent uh, government class like we have right now. Career politicians, Joe Biden would horrify them. All right. Everybody who signed that Declaration of Independence, um, who helped write the Constitution, these guys were they were actually part time. Government officials uh, in creating our government, they had farms, they had uh, one was a bookmaker, they made candles, they did all kinds of things. Uh, They weren't these full-time technocrats. They had lives outside of government. And I think that part of the thinking was, you know, you you had talents, real-world talents, and you would bring those talents and experiences to Washington, or back then, I guess it was Philadelphia for a little while, or even New York, and share those gifts, talents, and experiences with your country to enhance the country, to make it a better place. Now, uh, you think Joe Biden has talents and gifts that he's bringing to you and making America a better place? Of course not. He doesn't know how to do anything. All he knows how to do is make that big smile, that big phony smile. Uh, say things that sound good, ask for favors, ask for money, and give it to Hunter or take it from Hunter. It's just <laughs> these guys have they bring nothing to the table. And Trump and Oz are very much alike. Uh, they are outsiders. Uh, they have world- class talent in their fields. Trump is a builder, marketer, Dr. Oz is a physician and yes, as a television host. This is is somebody who can open up your chest, hook it up to a heart-lung machine, take out the aorta or the ventricle or however the hell it works, clean it all out, change it up, and you can walk out of that hospital someday? Well, they'll put you in a wheelchair at first. Why do they insist on doing that still? (laughs) Even if you can walk, they put you in the wheelchair the day you're leaving the hospital. But he can do that. And and, and, and Donald Trump can build a building from scratch. He can. Most people can't install a sink. I can't install a sink. He can install 1,500 sinks. Look at the old Commodore Hotel. I mean, you may say, oh, it's just stupid stuff, Greg. I mean, buildings are built. No, this is real-world stuff. That's real-world talent. Any nitwit can sit in there competing at their computer, any hipster, and say snarky crap that does not benefit anybody. If you can repair a shoe, you can make this world a better place. Anyway, that's what I like about Oz. He can, I'm sure he can repair a shoe, uh, but he can repair your heart. And he's learned some magnificent things along the way about the healthcare system and I think he has a lot to offer uh, our country and the United States Senate, the people of Pennsylvania. So uh, that's a very, very big endorsement. And keep an eye on that. If we're going to take back the House and Senate. you got to take back these tough races. That's going to be one of them. Good luck to Dr. Roz. Congratulations to Donald Trump. Excellent choice. Back to the Northwell letter. Black women are approximately three times more likely to die from birth complications compared to white women. There is also a growing body of evidence for disparities linked to structural racism and implicit racial bias that have been woven into the societal and healthcare care system culture for decades. Now, she says there is a growing body of evidence. What the hell is that? The 1619 Project? Northwell. That's probably what they're thinking. They're citing nothing. A growing body of evidence about implicit racial bias, go ahead and look up that implicit racial bias r- research. It's not there. And even if it is there, if racial, implicit racial bias is a thing, how do you fix that? You can't. It might be hardwired into everybody. And it's not bias, it's like... You something you're eyeballed, it's just ridiculous stuff. There are so many more important things to focus on, like greatness. Here we are, just bent over backwards, trying to not offend anybody or trying to get points for sounding like we're racial justice warriors, social warriors. Now, these are these are real problems. Yes, let's see here. If you want to break it down this way, there are some people who are dying who shouldn't be dying. You're going to blame it on something that's happening happening in the Northwell health care system? Maybe we should go back and look at what Barack Obama was saying about fathers in the black community. Something tells me that he had much better advice, much more applicable advice than anything that Nicole Hannah-Jones has come up with in the 1619 project, which has been debunked When are they going to issue the correction on that? When are they going to admit that that is all a bunch of nonsense? Or are they too afraid of the monster that they have created in Nicole Hannah-Jones? There's that too. Let's see here. Given the complex mix of factors causing severe maternal morbidity, reducing its prevalence and closing the racial and ethnic disparities will require a multi-pronged and sustained effort. As a response, New York State has partnered with all birthing hospitals through the New York State Birth Equity Improvement Project. That damn near sounds like a death panel. To identify how individual, that means you, and systemic racism, that means you and your boss, both impact birth outcomes and take action to improve both the experiences of care and prenatal outcomes for black birthing people. I almost forgot birthing people, birthing people. It's. I know. I used to I, I used to blow it off when they talked about the war on Christmas because I thought it was a bit of a joke. I'm like, I'm OK. I'm all, we're 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 still free to celebrate. This is no, this is the. this is round two. They're not messing around. They're changing the language. I'm here trying to say that we should still call mothers mothers, and I feel like I'm out on the limb. Northwell. Over the past few years, Northwell has taken a pledge to combat racism. Oh, isn't that good of you? Wow. Let's give Northwell a big round of applause. Isn't that amazing? Good for you guys. That's just really, you guys took that oath? How do, where do I take this pledge? I pledge to combat racism and inequities in underserved and underrepresented communities. Oh, I feel so good about myself. I feel so good about myself. Oh, but there's a catch. Unfortunately, despite the educational achievement of black birthing people, mothers, you maniacs, inequities in health and birthing outcomes remain disparate. One of the key action items by Northwell has been to address the inequalities, inequities rather, for black birthing people. So what are we going to do? We're going to make a week. Awareness week. Will, what do we, how do we fix real problems with phony solutions like Awareness Week? Yes, the fifth annual Black Maternal Health Awareness Week. And Northwell will team together. Ooh, and there's more. They're launching a center for maternal health. And it will be virtual. Oh, yes, 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 yes. We created an app for that. There's an app. The virtual center will be a repository of the multiple population and community health-based initiatives community health based initiatives that's code for look at all this money we gave to a bunch of crummy groups look at all this money we spread around to buy off everybody i'm sure they have some sort of an alliance with the national action network <laughs> i love to decode this this is fun uh have uh, been uh, developed to support the Uh, The clinical efforts of the obstetric care team with the vision of identifying birthing people, birthing people, at high risk for poor outcome earlier and improving the trajectory of their pregnancy with continued support for the family in the postpartum period. Hey, you want to go do that? Just go do it. All right. Just look for unhealthy poor people and help them who are pregnant. You got to make all this announcement and shame white people? Oh, the white girls. White girls versus black. You you want everybody at each other's throats? You want to know why people are now looking at each other with hostility when eight seconds ago there was harm, harmony in this city, in this country? Let's see. Vision identifying. Oh, yeah, this is a guy I got to follow up with. Dr. Michael Near uh, Nimeroff, to quote our chairperson, Dr. Michael Nimeroff, the high rate of severe material health problems among black women is a complex, multivariate issue, and we know it will take a complex, multilayered approach to address this health inequity. This is a learning process, and Northwell, Katz's Women's Hospital, will continue to adapt as needed. We are in this effort for the long haul. Sincerely, two people. Oh, wait a second. There's more. No. Oh, wait, wait. Maybe I should. Can I log into this thing? To kick off Black Maternal Health Week, please join Dr. Karen, somebody or other, Dr. Adrian, someone else, Dr. Monique, someone, and Dr. Keisha tonight, Monday, April 11th at 7 p.m. For a discussion on how the health system bias, on the how the health system's Fight bias and improve outcomes in our community. I gotta, I gotta get on that one. I gotta see about all this bias. I know all those doctors and nurses. They're just, they're discriminating against those black birthing people. They always have been. Even the black doctors and nurses. I know they have it in for those black birthing people. Don't you? Now, who the hell gets credit for this? No one really, other than. Uh, I think the pressure is kind of let off Northwell. They feel immune, immune to criticism. That's what people are looking for: immunity to the criticism, to the heat. Sooner, I, I haven't, I haven't totally processed it. Let me get you in here for a second. Let's see here. Uh, Doug is on the phone from Long Island. Doug, yes. Hello,
2: Greg. How are you today? Fine. Well, I just want to thank you for making me aware of this uh, during the Holy. What? uh, Which is 50% of the country of the world. uh, This is our Holy Week, and they're making this a
0: an awareness
2: week for black mothers, maternal health. Uh, Tell them thank you for me.
0: Tell who thank you?
2: I guess it's Northwell Health. Maybe I'll walk into one of their uh, walking clinics and thank them. I mean, this is just absolutely ridiculous.
0: Well, I, I have to urge you, Doug, to use the proper terminology. I think you said black uh, uh, birthing peop, uh, mothers at one point. Did you say black mothers? It's black uh, birthing people.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't get the whole thing. I, I missed that part of the uh, notation.
0: All right. Thank you, pal. Thank <laughs> you, Doug. I, I, Whatever. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's crazy. It is pretty, pretty wild. Again, I'm still processing it. And here's something. When I go to the doctor, uh, I realize something was going on. My doctor likes to gossip a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And they're like, hey, did you hear about this? And I'm like, yeah. Okay, what do you think about this person on TV and that person on TV? And I answer the questions, and, and I try to ask him a question. And I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, is he ever going to ask me about how I'm feeling? And then he asks me this and that. And it would go on like this, and uh, like the third visit, I had to say to him, "You know, uh, are we doing a little too much chit-chatting?" And he said, "Oh no, look, I am actually evaluating you as we talk." I was like, "You are yes," and there's a whole thing in medicine. You can you can make assessments. It's not it's a it's a science, but it's also an art, and they're figuring you out. As they look at you, they can look at you and make determinations or observations that they may have to follow up on or, you know, they got to start somewhere. And the way they're making medicine now, it's all about checking the box, checking the box, checking the box. And now we've given them 50 new boxes to check about gender at birth, gender uh, that they're feeling presently, gender that they may be transitioning to, how they want to be referred to, what pronoun to use. And all these ways that you, as a physician, could possibly get into trouble if you deviate from their wishes—that's uh, that's a that's a problem. That's a big problem. Uh, I got to take a quick break. Be right back.
2: Radio seventy-seven WABC.
0: Do you believe, as I do, that the invasion of Ukraine would not be happening right now if President Trump were in office? Now, most Americans believe that. It's been polled numerous times. There's a poll out of Harvard University that says that most people understand. That Putin would not have done this if Donald Trump were still in office. I don't see that poll, and there are actually two or three polls to that effect, getting all that much attention because, well, if you start thinking about it and you start thinking about what we're seeing in the atrocities and the war crimes and the horror that is war, and war crimes, I hate to say it, happen in basically every single war They're going to happen. It's almost inevitable. It's not clean. People who haven't been to war don't realize how messy, ugly, and how it must be avoided at all costs unless it's absolutely the last, last resort. These things happen, but everyone is – so many people who haven't fought are oblivious to that. Anyway, we now know how bad it is. We see what they're going through. And imagine that everybody who's dead now would be alive if Donald Trump were in office. How about this? Did you hear about the portable crematoriums? Russia has deployed with portable crematoriums to incinerate. I heard somebody on the news saying they're trying to cover up their atrocities. No, they want those. Atro- they want they want that on full display. They're proud of that. They're they're getting rid of their own bodies. The dead Russians, they're cremating them. Dead soldiers, that's a thats a burden. That's, <laughs> you got to ship them home. It's a logistics nightmare. You ever see the movie Taking Chance? Uh, you probably didn't. It was an HBO movie about 15 years ago. Uh, Kevin Bacon was in it. It's a movie about a Marine who dies in combat, and there's a tradition uh, these bodies are escorted. They're never left unattended. First, you got to get them off the battlefield. There are Marines, soldiers, sailors, airmen who have died in combat, in war. They've been shot and killed trying to retrieve the dead bodies of comrades. And That's how important it is. You've got to take everybody home, dead or alive. All right, so you get them off the battlefield—that's job number one. And then you got to get them all the way home, and you can't have—you know—bodies go missing sometimes. They get shipped to the wrong country. All kinds of crazy stuff can happen. So they actually appoint an officer to go with the body all the way, all the way to the person's hometown. Stays the entire time. Anyway, that movie, Taking Chance—I think the, the the it was named Chance, the fallen marine—and. This guy takes them all the way back. They don't do that in Russia. They just they can't do that in Russia. They're afraid of all those Russian mom moms. They didn't. What the hell is going on there? They have already lost more Russian soldiers, more Ukraine soldiers than the United States lost in all of Iraq and all of Afghanistan from 2001 to 2021. I want to know if this is totally redefined the geopolitical landscape, whatever, because now we all know that Russia does not have a military of any real consequence. I mean, I know they've got some firepower. They have strategic bombers, but, man, did they know how to fly them? I, 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 nope. Did anybody think it was going to be this bad? Uh, I don't know. All right, so we have that, and we also have, uh, oh, who's the guy who almost killed uh, Ronald Reagan? John Hinckley. John Hinckley is now in his 60s. In 1981, March of 1981, he was a delusional loner obsessed with actress Jodie Foster. He's 24 years old. He took a shot at Ronald Reagan, a couple of shots at him. He almost killed him. He put a bullet in the head of his press secretary, James Brady, affected his life forever. Uh, nobody died that day, but people later succumbed to their injuries. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity, sent off to St. Elizabeth's Hospital for the Insane, stayed there uh, for, what, 25, 30 years? It's a rich kid, by the way, John Hinckley. I don't know if anybody understands that, how rich. Uh, the Hinkley family is and was. So, you know, he played his guitar. He just kind of hung around, and uh, now he's out of the hospital, living at home. I think officially, the Secret Service does like he—he's he, unsupervised. He can go wherever he wants, whenever he wants. He's—if there are any restrictions, they are very loose, very permissive. And he's going to come to Brooklyn, New York, in July to play his guitar for a paying audience at some silly hipster hotel. I know about it because I saw it on Twitter. His... A presidential assassin is on Twitter. And President Trump banned for life? Huh? Huh? Not only... It's not adding up, but it's all adding up at the same time, if you know what I mean. There's the music. I'll be right back. You know, over the weekend, um, I heard Trump say, if Joe Biden would just come out and say, everything I did regarding energy is wrong, and I take it all back, and we're going to do everything that Donald Trump wanted to do with energy, with the pipeline, you know, we're going to we're going to frack, we're going to get that Keystone pipeline, we're going to we're going to drill, we're going to do all that stuff. We're not going to waste our time with the wind and the solar because they're not quite there yet. We're just not there yet. Uh you kill all the bird if Biden were to do that. Trump said that prices would come down immediately. They would just on, right on their own. That admission you know, the markets are driven by all kinds of things. Just an indication that something is about to happen or going to happen in six months. Just the indication, just the news. And I thought for myself, that actually sounds like it could actually work. If Biden were to come at it, if he wants to lower gas prices. He could, with his mouth, say, we are going to go back to the Trump era energy independent policies And that could work. It would work. How about that? He can't because, what is it, a matter of pride? Is it a matter of him being held hostage by this crazy woke left? Is it a matter that he hates Trump so much he would never admit that he's right? I don't know. I don't know. But he could fix it right away. And if he couldn't say it all like that, he could say, look, we gave this Solyndra, we gave all this stuff enough of a chance. Um, It's not working out. Hey, why the hell is Valerie Biden writing a book? Hey, who's Valerie Biden? His very seldom seen sister, Valerie. Now, what does she do? What does the sister of Joe Biden do? Well, for much of her life, she was uh, Joe Biden's uh, political, another like a junior cash machine for Joe Biden. She ran all of Joe Biden's campaigns. Now, what skill, what capacity did she have to do that? What is her uh uh, she lived under the same roof as Joe Biden when they were kids. There's brother and sister. That's it. It's just like Hunter. Why does Hunter why is Hunter on the barisma board? Why is he dealing with all these Chinese? Because he's related to Joe. That's it. And Joe wants to be rich, just like all these people. You know, I actually now it comes to me. Now it comes to me. I remember Joe Biden spent a lot of time in the Hamptons. When he was vice president. A lot of time. Now, I've been out there myself. And I don't know what it is, but when I am in a rich person's house, which I have been, and they're nice, I get bored in about 30 seconds. It doesn't matter after about 30 seconds. 30 seconds later, you're on your phone. Okay, now what? I, it just doesn't move me like that. Um, I like to kind of a strange st- – never mind. I, I, I don't need much to get by. And granted, I was single back then. When you have a family, you need more, you want more. But still, my needs are minimal. I think Joe's needs and appetites are palatial, right? And you start rolling with these billionaires. You st- You start to think, well, I should be a billionaire too. I'm Joe Biden. Vice President of the United States. Now, why is he Vice President of the United States? Because he got lucky when he was 27 years old. 27 years old. Yes, I know he was elected when he was 29. He starts running when he was 27. They needed somebody, anybody to run against the incumbent. Let's pick that dummy. He'll do it. And about 27,000 people voted for him. That's it. Delaware is about 1 20th the size of Brooklyn terms of population nobody's there it's a silly nowhere state and how did he get elected well they was it the brilliant political acumen of valerie who knows but she was running the campaign and she ran every single campaign including his ridiculous run for the presidency in 2008 so she's writing a book telling that story do we need another biden book let's see joe has written two Jill has written one. Hunter has written one. Now Valerie has written Has anybody read any of these books? And by the way, I heard the great one, uh, Mark Levin, uh, late last week. Don't catch his show as much as I would like, but boy, oh boy, he's good. I don't like to listen sometimes because it's, well, you know, I'll get to that some other time. But he is an amazing broadcaster, and he's going through it. And it looks like Joe may have played some games with the books, and uh uh <laughs> suddenly on paper it looks like Joe got very very rich from a couple of crummy books. you know politicians don't real- don't write very good books for the most part they don't, and nobody wants to read a vice presidential memoir. There have been two or three in history that were like worth anything, really uh, let me think uh. Nixon. Nixon wrote a big one. Six crises came out uh, after he lost to Kennedy. He had a story to tell. That was interesting for the time. And uh, let's see, who else? Had... Dan Quayle actually had a pretty good one. People were anxious to see what he had to say after what he had been put through. But was anybody clamoring to read about Dick Cheney's uh, life in the White House? Time in the White I don't think so. How about Walter Mondale? Did anybody know or care? I, 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 and Joe Biden had one before. During what is it called? Promises to keep, a charge to rush, something dumb, ghost-written pablum. But if you read between the lines, sometimes you do learn things about the men, and sometimes you just say it out loud. It's kind of wild. Um, he told his father. Let me think about this, Hunter Biden is pulled aside by Joe at one point. They're having a man-to-man talk. And this is in Joe's book. And he says to Hunter, Hunter, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Hunter says, I want to be important. And Joe, this is according to the book, just says, I knew what he meant. (laughs) I was just astounded by it. Like, what's... Okay, now he's going to go into the whole explanation of, well, that's not, you know, we got to refine that goal. Being important in and of itself is not a worthy goal. What are you talking about, son? Wise up here. What do you think is important? The adulation, the, the headlines, uh, walking into a room and a lot of people want their picture taken with you. Is that what you want? Well, what about, what about doing something that gets you to that position? It's not that. It's like saying you want to be a baker, but all you want to do is well, all you want to do is lick icing all day long. I don't know. I thought that was just a very sad moment, but that's Joe, and it's a very sad family. There's another book coming out by Valerie Biden. Hey, do me a favor. Let's get Valerie Biden on the show uh, next week. Uh, talk about her book. I'm sure she'll uh, jump at the chance. Uh, we'll have her on the Newsmax show too. She can tell me all about that hell hole she lived in as a child, Garden City, Long Island. Oh yeah, she did, yeah, oh, down on his luck, out of work, uh, Joe Biden senior, kept his entire family, all the kids supplied with the latest sports cars. Did you know that? He, Joe can't make up his he's always lying. he's always changing the story he's His father goes from ne'er-do-well to Uber successful businessman. Why were they living in Garden City? You don't hear that that much, right? But they lived in Garden City on Long Island. Uh, Joe's dad w- uh, was in the airport business for a time. Did you know that? Yeah. He was in the airport business. Bought a local airport. Maybe it was Mitchell Field. Maybe it was Roosevelt Field. I don't know. But he was in the airport business. My my uh, my uh dad wasn't in the airport business. My My dad's dad wasn't in the airport business. He was a milkman, by the way. Most people don't sit around talking about how crummy a businessman their grandfather or father was, even if they were. That's like Joe's brand. That's what he talks about all the time. Anyway, it's just I shouldn't be surprised anymore. I shouldn't. And I guess uh, none of us should be. So, I, hey, one more time, Dr. Oz endorsed by Donald Trump, and I think that's great. Uh, can we hear that one more time, please? Thank you.
2: By the way, I endorsed another person today, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. Great guy. Good man. Good man. Harvard educated. Tremendous, tremendous career. And they liked him for a long time. That's like a poll. You know, when you're in television for 18 years, that's like a poll. That means people like you. But he's a he's a great guy. This is the year we're going to take back the house. We're going to take back the Senate and we're going to take back America. And in 2024, most importantly, we are going to take back our beautiful, beautiful, beautiful White House.
0: That's pretty great. That is pretty great. And if you go through that, I don't see how they can lose. I'm sorry. I just don't see how they can lose unless. Unless they pull their shenanigans again. Let me hear a little bit more. Something else from the Trump rally Saturday night. This was in Selma, not Alabama. Selma, North Carolina.
2: And our country is being humiliated by a president who has no idea what the hell is going on. He has no idea what he's doing and no idea what he's saying, actually. Just have to look at what's happening.
0: All right. Good,
2: good stuff. More. You're going to elect an incredible slate of true America first Republicans. Up and down the ballot, you will go. And together, we are going to end crazy Nancy Pelosi's political career once and for all.
0: She is crazy. <laughs> She's crazy. I like the way he said it. He said it kind of crazy. That's fun. More. More. Irreversible harm that
2: Democrat politicians did to our young people is unforgivable, and American voters will punish them at the ballot box this November. (laughs) Despite all you're hearing and seeing of China and Russia and Iran and others, our biggest danger is not from outside coming in. Our biggest single danger is from the sick, and radical politicians that are knowingly or unknowingly wanting to destroy our country.
0: Not wrong. Not wrong at all. Uh, man, we just were waiting for somebody like this who is totally unafraid of, of speaking it. Why are so many people afraid of speaking the truth? Why is that? That's a great question. So many people are, I think, too – are they lazy? Are they content? Are they too stuck in the system? You know, if you want to be a player in the swamp, you have to buy into all of their philosophies, all of their customs. you got to buy into all of that stuff. And Trump never did. He is an outsider, has been an outsider. You can look back. He is consistent, by the way. Yes, I know there are some issues uh, that he's evolved on, changed on. I would say they're not central to his character. They're not central to his approach. You got to look up that Rona Barrett interview from 1980. It's it's pretty compelling. He talks about life. He talks about his family. He talks about his outlook, and he's very much the same guy at 34 uh, as he is at the age of what is he now? 70? Is he 76? He's 70. He'll be 76 in June, Flag Day, June 14th. Great day for a birthday, Flag Day. Um, seventy-six years old, still got it, big time. Joe lost. Do we have Joe uh, from Friday? Anything from Friday? Man, oh man, when he when he was trying to uh, celebrate, Katangi Brown Jackson, who, by the way, what a piece of work she turned out to be. She said one nice thing the day she was nominated. Then I I kind of lost. We have her too. All right, do me a favor. She, Here's Joe at that event. Go ahead. America is a nation
5: that can be defined in a single word. I was in, foot him, uh, foot, foot, excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact.
0: Wait, what the hell? He was trying to tell a story. What's the word that America can be defined by? He forgot. Let me hear that again. That's a real, that's, that's unedited. That's what he sounded like. Oh my gosh. And you can see Katanji Brown Jackson puts her head down in shame. She's embarrassed for him. One more time.
5: America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the, foot, uh, foot, foot, excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping traveling with him. think I we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact.
0: All right, now wait a second. Does he come back to the word? Can we co- find out if he comes back to the word? Because I've heard him tell this story a million times. Even I know it. The word is possibility. He thinks this is profound. Possibility. You can do anything in America. This is something that Cracker Jack was talking about 1926. Possibility. All right. Oh, shoot. Uh, uh. Is my wife here yet? No? Oh, got a call. Her. I'll be right back. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving
1: your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey,
2: providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen New Bridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call to for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Talk Radio 77, WABC. WABC is the Greg Kelly Show.
0: Uh, My wife did not call. She didn't call. She just walked into the room and walked out, giving me my lunch. How about that? Thank you so much. What's in here anyway? Hmm. Preda Porter, Preda Preda Manger. That means ready to eat soup. It's usually either tomato or some green stuff. I hope it's the tomato. It's the tomato. Um Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right. All is well. Just uh I do have to address Katanji Brown Jackson for a moment. She was – she said one nice thing the day she was nominated, and I'm like, okay, I like her. I like her as a person. I thought I did. She said, look, I got here. There's absolutely no way one can conceive of this happening if it weren't for my faith, and I thought that was really nice. And, okay, I didn't – she's just replacing Stephen Breyer, another liberal. Who cares? Um, Knock yourselves out. Number one, the confirmation hearings were totally fine and fair. They were talking about her words, her judgments, her opinions, her records, not stuff she did in high school, you know, not some dude she dated. It was all on the up and up stuff that you're supposed to be asked and the way they characterize it. Oh, it was a hateful this. It was such an attack. It was sexist. It was racist. It was. No, it wasn't. And then I think that uh she disappointed me as well a couple of times when she got emotional when. Senator Booker started shooting her mouth, uh, crying, and she started crying. And quite frankly, her leniency for those pedophiles, uh, that caught my attention. Like, what's up with that? That seems to be something uh, that's consistent. Her refusal to define certain basic terms in the language, like woman. I mean, I'm sorry, is that going too far out on a limb? What's up with that? So what's really up her sleeve? And then she gets up there on, uh, I guess it was Friday. And she said, you know, it only took a uh, how many people have served on the Supreme Court? Well, Joe Biden doesn't know because this answer is wrong. How many did Joe Biden say? You got that? Yeah. And
5: I said, you know, I said, I'm shortly going to go out. Look, I'm looking out the window. I'm going to go out on this, what they call the South Lawn in the White House. And I'm going to introduce to the world, to the world, the first African-American woman out of over 200 judges on the Supreme Court.
0: Well, he got that wrong. (laughs) uh, It's been Now, granted, I guessed, I guessed that there were a thousand, but I said right now, this is a wild ass, who knows what guess. I I, I guessed a thousand last week. And I asked somebody to look it up, and they got back to me, and it was 116, I think. 116 people have served on the court. Joe just said it was 200. But she says, here I am, a black woman, and it only took 116 people. They had to nominate 116 white men and a handful of women before they got around to a black woman. I just thought, wow, like as if racism every step of the way is what kept a black woman out of that position. And I don't think one can make that case actually. I don't. If you look at the numbers of those who are actually available, it was uh, nobody should be kept out, but how many were actually eligible at the time? I there's something about it. The whole tenor of this I don't like. I'm saying it out loud. Now what else did she say? Go ahead. We
3: have come a long way toward perfecting our union in my family. It took just one generation to go from segregation to the Supreme Court of the United States.
0: That's great. uh, That's great. It's not the first time. It's just, are we going to bring up Everything this country did wrong. Whenever it does something good, I, I. When we landed on the moon, did we talk about the Titanic sinking? You know, I, 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 I the International Space Station. Do we remind everybody about the Apollo One mishap every time? I, I don't know if that. Uh, Artie in Delray, hi. Hey Greg, how are you? Fine.
2: No, I hey uh, I, I you watched that video with those three cops with the Ashley Babbitt situation yeah like that that hundred percent proves that there was no threat of de- deadly imminent danger uh this, this like you said this boils my blood man what what the heck is going on nobody nobody knows about it. I know you, you you broadcasted uh you know quite often but a lot of people don't know who Ashley Babbitt is and to me that that's the worst sacrifice to, to our uh, our country is is what went on there.
0: You know, Artie, I'm glad you called and I'm glad you said that because I've never really looked at it that way. But I always found it very suspicious that they walked off. But the way you put it, if it were so deadly, if it were so dangerous, well, why would they walk off? That's proof that it wasn't deadly, that it wasn't dangerous. Very interesting, Artie, and I thank you. Be right back.
2: You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show.
0: Looking at uh, some of what President Trump touched on at that rally, he also called out, uh, let's see, uh, he wants a Republican majority of Congress. They must investigate the collusion between Democrat Party politicians and the teachers unions to keep our children out of school for no scientific reason whatsoever. The irreversible harm that Democrat politicians did to our young people is unforgivable and American voters will punish them at the ballot box this November. I love it. Um, let's see here a Republican Congress must stand up for parental rights and parental choice. I think that's a good idea. President Trump said no teacher should ever be allowed to teach far left gender theories to our children without parental consent. It's truly child abuse, plain and simple. By replacing reading and math with pronouns and gender studies, our government-run education system has forfeited the trust of American parents, and they really they really really have. Every mom and dad in America must be given the right to opt out of the indoctrination and send their child to the public private charter or religious school of their choice have to do it he also said this we will stop illegal government discrimination we will restore the sacred american principle of equality under the law and we will while we're at it demand justice for the january 6 prisoners and full protection of their rights like was received by antifa and black lives matter who murdered people through our country and as you probably have heard one of the first January 6 trials ended in an extortion, I think he meant to say, an, uh, an acquittal. It was a horrible thing they were doing to people. But he, Exoneration. There was an exoneration because effectively proved that he got waved into the Capitol by the police. And there was this, too. And people forget it. And the January 6 committee never talks about it. What a. That thing should be illegal. Those people should be arrested. The January 6th committee. Remember this Nancy Pelosi was in charge of the Capitol. You know that, right? And the mayor of D.C., they were in charge of all security in the Capitol. Remember also that they were offered three days before, on January 3rd, 10,000 soldiers or National Guard to protect the Capitol. They turned it down. If they would have accepted that they're in charge of it, we offered it. If they would have accepted, there would have been no January 6th as we know it. That's damn straight. And then, oh, this is my favorite. <laughs> well, it's not my favorite. I kind of forgot about her. Remember, uh, what's her name? Gretchen Whitmer, the nasty governor from Michigan. I know somebody who knows her. Uh, Whitmer's a real mean girl, real nasty mean girl. One of those, uh, you know the type Uh Uh, You know, I'm sure I'm sure she's nice to children and small animals, but boy, she could be a mean girl in high school. Uh, The famous Michigan trial where they supposedly were going to kidnap the very unpopular governor. That never made any sense to me. This is one of those classic cases where if she were kidnapped, the ransomers would have paid money to get that uh, person off their hands. Uh, That turned out to be a great big uh, phony baloney. Two were just found not guilty, and uh, another ended in a hung jury. That that had BS written all over it. Looked like the FBI. The FBI, of all people, may have set some folks up, huh? Now, when has that happened before? Oh, boy. Some great people at that FBI, but a lot of kiss-ups, too. A lot of people intimidated by Democrat politicians. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. I wish I had a better feel for it. I know a couple of agents. They shake their heads. I know the rank and file. They uh, they don't like what's happening to that once great and prestigious. The FBI comes to see you. Are you? I almost feel sorry for those guys. FBI. It used to mean something. It used to be like, wow, that's status. Wow, that's, uh, that's premier law enforcement. It's been so damaged, and James Comey, who said he wanted to protect the reputation of the FBI, that was his number one mission. really shouldn't be when you think about it, but that was his number one mission, and he blew it. He damn near ruined the place. Gail in Staten Island, hello.
3: Good afternoon, Greg. I, I was listening to you much earlier uh, about Orwellian, and I was just thinking, well, I was thinking a while ago, we are witnessing life imitating art. I feel like our entire administration is like the Richard Condon novel, which turned into a great movie, The Manchurian Candidate, because this whole administration, they're all brainwashed. And then, of course, there was Thomas Harris that wrote the novel Black Sunday about the dirigible crashing into the Super Bowl, but obviously there was a happy ending. Where in our United States, there was no happy ending when the Islamic jihadists crashed into the World Trade, the Pentagon, and Shanksville. I don't understand what's going on in this country. And as far as Northwell, now they're just jumping on the conglomerate bandwagon of Face Crook, Amazonian, and the rest of these uh, big tech businesses.
0: Oh, I love what you called Facebook. Let's call them Face Crook. (laughs) I love it. Did you make that up?
3: Yes, I did. Oh,
0: Face Crook. (laughs) Well, I'm going to... I'm going to borrow it for a little while, if you don't mind, Gail. Um, I love it. Hey, what would you say about that movie Black Sunday? I vaguely remember it. Was Burt Reynolds in it?
3: No, no. It was uh, Robert Shure, Bruce Stern, um, I think. uh,
0: And what happened? A blimp? They crashed a blimp into the Super Bowl?
3: Yeah, Bruce Stern was part of, they called it, um, I don't know if it was the Black Liberation Army or whatever, And uh, they were going to crash it into the Super Bowl, Bruce Stern. So he was driving the dirigible, but they ended up uh, going over. They crashed. It had a bomb in it. It was really good. He also wrote, Harris, all the Cannibal Lecter novels. Hmm. A great movie. You should try to look it up.
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah, actually, that sounds like an interesting one. Interesting. I mean, a (laughs) bomb. It's not exactly a kamikaze crashing into a stadium, a blimp, you know, two miles per hour. It's like <laughs> yeah,
3: but it had big bombs on it. It had a bomb on it with all types of nails attached to it. It would have been, you know, it was really good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, very slow a blimp. I, I, I guess they pulled it off. You can pull anything off with a good soundtrack. Anyway, great points. Uh, face crook, you got that, Mark Zuckerberg. Face crook, I love it. Gail, thank you for calling. Uh, she is not, uh, she's not wrong. I disagree with her on police. No, no. Um, do me a favor. Hey, Rich, what's going on? I got to introduce Rich. He's, uh, the new, uh, deputy, uh, assistant, uh, to the, uh, president of, uh, communications. Uh, what is your job here?
1: I am the executive producer in the afternoons.
0: Oh, like <laughs> I, that thought I, I thought was, I thought it was a bit more highbrow than that. <laughs> no, sorry. All right. Well, you are one of my many supervisors here. And uh, anyway, welcome. How long have you been Thank working you. here now? Uh, just over a year now. Well, actually, full time, just over a year. I've been. Wait here. a second. Now, why did I meet you like for the first time a month ago, Max? Because I was on the night shift.
1: Oh, all right. I was working four to midnight. I
0: thought you were new. I was welcoming, no. welcoming you to the station, making sure you real <laughs> of uh, what a schmuck. They should have put out a memo about you. Yeah, well, uh, you know. Uh, They may have. That's Matt's job. Uh, So listen, uh, where do you live? I'm in Baldwin. And uh, how long have you been in radio?
1: Uh, 30 years. And where'd you start? Right here at WABC, as a matter of fact. Where was the station when you started? 2 Penn Plaza. And uh, what was your job? What was your first job? Uh, I was a, I was, I came in, they used to, they had a union back then. I was a summer relief engineer was the uh, official title. Now, why did you choose, of all the things to do, why radio? I fell in love with it. Back in college, I went to Hofstra, went down for an open house at the uh, college radio station, WRHU, and from there it was, uh,
0: you know. RHU, well, what happened? Was, I
1: mean, like, what? You know, went down there. So I went down. A buddy of mine, we went down there. He called me, as a matter of fact. He said, hey, you know, like everybody gets their start, let's go down to the college radio station, have an open house. Let's, you know, me and you will get on the air. We'll do a show. You know, we'll do like some sort of talk show. We'll do sports, something like that. And then, so we went down there and I liked it and I, uh, you know, stuck with it. It, You know, became, uh, he washed out. He didn't. You know, he didn't last there, and I stuck with it, enjoyed, uh,
0: became program director. But you were a talk, you were actually had a show. I was on the air a little bit, but mostly behind the scenes. Now, why did you uh, make the, did you make the decision, yeah, why behind the scenes, not on the air? I just like the behind the scenes
1: a little bit better, you know, in retrospect, it would have been, uh, maybe I should have been on the air, but uh, I just like producing and, you know. What do you mean by that
0: in retrospect?
1: Well, now I could be like you if I had gone the same track as you. I could
0: be, you know, I could be famous like you. But famous, um, <laughs> give me a break. How about how about uh, you could uh, maybe I could have worked thirty years uninterrupted like right. you.
1: Uh, no. right. Well, I didn't work uninterrupted for thirty years. I did. Uh, I left the business for a little while. What'd you do? Went to I was in the printing business.
0: Hmm. What'd you print? You
1: name it. We printed it.
0: Was it Garden City Printers and Mailers, by any chance? No, it was not. Where? I know where that is,
1: though. Yeah, I worked you know, there for oh, a little did you? while.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, all right. I got to do something to rescue this interview. <laughs>
1: What's <laughs> What's I went, what else would you like to know? I mean, I went there, and I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, from there, I worked my way up, ran the ran the college radio station, came in here, uh, worked with all of the greats here, Bob Grant, Jay Diamond, Rush Limbaugh, uh, Lynn Samuels. Wait so a second. Curtis Lynn, Samuel, Sua, Lynn Samuels.
0: Lynn Samuels. That, the lawyer? The radical? The leftist? Yeah. She was. Yeah, she worked here? Yeah. What was she like? I heard
1: she was... Uh, she was a lot of fun. No kidding. All yeah, right. Nice a person. Lot of fun to work. Yes. Very nice person.
0: So what are your passions outside of work?
1: Outside of work? Yeah. Um, love being outdoors, hiking, being in the country, going up to uh, our home in the country, and, you know, working on the farm, gardening, that sort of thing.
0: Very nice. Yes. Very nice. And
1: you're also a classic rock fan. Classic rock. Big classic rock fan. What else about tell me more about Baldwin. Did you grow up there? I did not. I grew up in West Hempstead. Right next door, basically. Right next door, basically. You know. So Baldwin's a great town still. You know, very involved in the church there.
0: Uh which church? Saint Christopher's. I so. heard of Saint Christopher's. We didn't go to Saint Christopher's. We went to uh Oh my gosh, it's such a long time ago. I was in second grade. It was uh we we moved when I was second grade. Was it Saint was it Saint Sebastian's? Could it have been seen? It was actually the church we went to was in Roosevelt.
1: Roosevelt. Uh, Don't church there. We'll have to look that up.
0: So, all right. Well, look, uh, anything I should know about the show? Anything you guys planning on doing with it anytime soon? We're trying to get Valerie Biden on for next week. Okay. (laughs) 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 That would be... uh, Matches of the event. Thank you. you. I can't believe you you actually follow up on all these things. Absolutely. That's uh, my job. Listen, you're absolutely... Very organized well, and uh, very skilled and very experienced, and I benefit benefit from it every step of the way. So I well, thank you. you. I for appreciate that. working with you. No, thank you, buddy. And uh, all right, let's take a quick break. Let's hug it out, and we'll be right back. This is the Greg Kelly Show. Well, you see these stories all the time in the post, but I haven't seen one of this scope. California teacher arrested for allegedly molesting seven students. Yikes. A California biology teacher has been arrested for allegedly molesting seven students and sharing graphic photos online, authorities said. Anessa Page Gower, 35 years old, is facing, excuse me, 29 separate criminal counts over the alleged abuse that occurred when she was teaching at the Making Waves Academy, you think, in Richmond. The Costa District Attorney's Office said the victims told and witnesses told investigators that the abuse, which dates back to last year, included sex acts with the minors, inappropriate touching and sharing sexually graphic photos. Uh, Authorities haven't revealed the age or gender of any of the victims, but the charter school caters to students in grades five through 12. Gower was taken into custody last Wednesday to Sacramento International Airport, When she returned from a vacation in Hawaii. Welcome home. She is currently in custody in Richmond and is facing multiple child molestation charges. Making waves. Chief executive said uh, she was fired, blah, blah, blah. Uh, We're cooperating with the state uh, investigation. We didn't. uh, You hear about this more and more. You do. I mean, not seven, but. I think it's all the phone. You can blow up your life uh, with a phone. And um, you think you're just sitting there on a couch. You think you're just sitting there uh, in traffic. You just – but no, that's like a remote control for the world, and it can wreak havoc uh, in your world and the world of others. It's a very – it's like a nuclear bomb we all have in our pockets. There's a lot of good you can do with it. Uh, unlike a nuclear bomb. But there's a lot of bad things you can do with it as well. You must be careful with it. Uh, Yikes, that is something else. What a, well, uh, it's just an allegation at this point, right? Just an allegation. Um, Let's just see. Uh, Well, we take care of this. I want to tell you, oh, tonight I'm going to have a great guy on. He is the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. Now, I know that doesn't sound exciting. (laughs) Oh, I got to get home. Why? The lieutenant governor of North Carolina is going to be on the Greg Kelly show. Well, his name is Mark Robertson, and he's only been the lieutenant governor of North Carolina for a little while. In 2018, he was a guy working in a factory. He was just a guy working in a factory. And some things that were happening in his town are making him mad. And he went down. ...to the town hall, and they were having one of those little public forums, and he spoke for about four minutes. And it was some of the most mesmerizing oration I've ever heard. Um, He spoke about how furious he was that when some illegal act happens, something bad happens, like a mass shooting, they take it out on the law-abiding. They pass all these laws that penalize people like him, someone who's not breaking the law... And he did it much better than I ever could. Again, Mark Robertson and that little moment went viral. I missed it. I you know, Things go viral every second of every day. I miss this particular viral video. He showed up the other night at the Trump speech and uh, Trump introduced him and then he spoke. I'm like, who is this guy? I got to find out more. He said, four years ago, I was at a factory working on an assembly line. Today, I'm the North Carolina uh, deputy governor, uh, lieutenant governor. Anything can happen in America. So he's an impressive guy, Mark Robertson. I look forward to uh, meeting him over the TV tonight. Uh let's see here Muncie in New Jersey, yes.
5: Hey Greg, yeah. Now we're talking about black maternal health week. I think we should consider a black fetal health week. There's uh six hundred and forty nine abortions, black abortions every day. I don't know if that shouldn't that be something that we should talk about? And per year, that's two hundred thirty
0: six thousand eight hundred eighty five abortions per year. So, yeah, when Roe v. Wade, when abortion was legalized, you know, there was a pretty vocal um, opposition coming from the Black uh, congressional caucus because they saw this as the population, right? They saw this as a way to. You know, they did not like it, and I understood, and they thought this was, you know, borderline genocidal. And I think that's uh, something to discuss. Uh, What are the numbers for other groups, do you know?
5: Uh, The numbers are much less, actually, significantly less. Yeah. Actually, you talk about Roe versus Wade. Since Roe versus Wade total, 54 million abortions. That's 54 million fetuses that were, you know, lives were ended.
0: It's crazy. And uh you know it's funny though, when you talk about maternal health, in in today's lexicon that is code for um uh abortion rights often. That's kind of mixed in. That's almost a given now. Although not for much longer with the Supreme Court the way it is. Uh uh we'll we'll see. Muncie, thank you. Great point. And uh I should uh I should think about that. Uh Larry in New Jersey, yes, sir.
2: Greg, just real quick about child pornographers and downloaders of childhood how do these people think they're not going to get caught how do you think you're not going to get caught
0: it's insane uh, you know the dark web or something like that they all think they you know oh, well, the, there's a the password or whatever but yeah no everybody you know there's, there's basically no anonymity uh, online if you want to find out who somebody is you can uh, as a matter of fact, right. um, somebody was giving me a hard time online, and just for just as a as an exercise, as an intellectual exercise, I said, "All right, who is this person?" Because they know a few things about me, you know what I mean? And I'm like, and then then they said something. I'm like, "All right, not many people know that. How does this person know that?" And I got to find out who this person is. So I did a little research, and guess what? I found out. So uh, anything can be found out. And, yes, you're playing with dynamite, um, again, with your phone, uh, with the computer. Um, uh, yeah, that's uh, it would be a horrible horror. Th- th- think about where those images come from. They've got to be manufactured somehow. They've got to be, you know, if there's some kid somewhere being victimized, so some guy can look at something on a computer, it is foul. It is all very foul. Thank you, Larry. Sarah in Long Island, Hello.
4: Hey, Greg. Um, I spoke to you a few months ago about the the, uh, book Front Desk that uh, my school was uh, having read to the fifth grade students. And I was going to Board of Ed meetings and speaking against uh, CRT and speaking against all the mandates and standing up and advocating for our kids. And, um, you know, since then, um, there have been so many issues, so many problems with the school. And the superintendent has actually found a way to ban me. Uh, my children's mother, I'm, I have a six-year-old and a 10-year-old. I'm banned from school district property for no reason. For no, I have everything on video showing I did not wig out on anybody. I, you know, it's my ideology that they needed to silence. And, uh, right.
0: Well, let me ask you this. I mean, were you showing up at inopportune times? Were you showing up nope. on your own?
4: Nope. Nope. You nope. didn't get in anybody's
0: nope. spaces, did you, Sarah? Come on.
4: Didn't get in anybody. I, I this, See, this is what I mean. Somebody immediately has seen a Sarah, I I, look, Sarah, you sound
0: like a nice person and you're calling me. I'm just yeah. checking up all hey, the boxes. I,
4: I, I don't want to uh, be like Sarah, I, uh, Sarah,
0: Sarah. Some people would jump right on the barrel. Sarah, that's ridiculous. God we're gonna call them out. Like I just wanna make sure everything, you know, just wanna make sure everything is uh yeah. these are the questions that one might ask when uh I hear something like this. And oh. uh, it's very terrible that's that this cool. has happened if it's happened.
4: It is. And I've been, you know, this is what you said before. Why don't people speak up? This is why people don't speak up. Well, wait a second. I've no, no, getting...
0: no, 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 no. Wait, Sarah. I mean, you can wage your battle, your fight. You can do all the things that you want to do. You don't have to be on school grounds to do it. And I don't think those school board meetings. I have to
4: pick up my children. I have to pick up my kids at school. How old are your he kids? let me go.
0: Wait a second. Now, wait. Wait, now is there is there a legal order you got to pick up your kids from school, obviously. I'm just saying number one, all that all the other stuff, all the things that you say you want to do that you should be doing, you can still do. all right? And you don't regret doing it, right, do you?
4: I don't regret it, but I have a legal battle on my hands now. I'm finding a lawyer that I have to spend thousands of dollars to try to get access back to my kid's school. He wouldn't let me go to the sweetheart dance with my kindergartner and my fifth grader. And when I tell you I my hand to Would God... Would you do me I, a
0: favor? Well, do me, can you do me a favor? Hello? Yeah. All right. Look, yep. stay on the line. We want to get your information, and uh, let's uh, look, we'll do a story and find out more, okay?